1: Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Andrea Owen. And I had the pleasure of meeting her at She Podcasts. She is a speaker, life coach, author, and Hellraiser, who has been creating global impact in women's empowerment with her books, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, and her latest book, Make Some Noise. Her work has been translated into 18 languages and is available in 22 countries. She helps high-achieving women maximize unshakable confidence and master resilience. And she is definitely here today to help you be smarter, spunkier, and more successful. So, so delighted to have you here today. Welcome to the show, Andrea.
2: Angel, I'm so excited to have this conversation. I can't wait. I'm ready. Spunky, spontaneous, successful. Yes, all of it.
1: (laughs) Let's do it, babe. Well, you know, you were one of the standout people at She Podcasts that I really just felt a high level of resonance to. And so I'm really delighted that you were able to take the time out of your busy schedule today to have this conversation with me. I'd love to start, Andrea, with, you know, were you always an author? Did you start writing when you were little? or Uh, You know, did you have a traditional career path? Tell us a little bit about your backstory.
2: So I started writing when I was about 11 and, you know, I was, I was hooked on Francine Pascal's Sweet Valley High series. I don't know if you're familiar with it. (laughs) That was, I, I wish I could say I was reading the classics, but you know. Alas, I wasn't, but she was the first author. Well, her and Judy Bloom, and, and, you know, others that I I can't remember their names right now, but that were women authors. And I thought that would be the coolest job ever, but it seemed very pie in the sky. And I wrote all through my teen years, mostly angsty poetry and and stories. And then in my twenties, I lost myself. I fell into some addictions, plural, and did not pick up the pen or a keyboard for probably 11 or 12 years. Mm. And it wasn't until my life totally fell apart when I was about 31 and I started writing again. And I I half joke that I'm making up for lost time. But before that, I was in the fitness industry. I was also in the fashion merchandising industry. I've had many lives. I think like a lot of the women listening here, career Mm -hmm. women, and it wasn't until my early thirties that I ended up getting my certification for life
1: coaching and started writing books. So what inspired you to get the certification for life coaching? Because, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm guessing it has something to do with the addiction journey, possibly. And if you want to talk a little more deeply about that, we definitely like to go deep here. I mean, I definitely had I'm my own so. addiction mm-hmm. uh, situation in my 20s as well. Addictions with an S. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, for me, it was drugs and alcohol and sex and, mm-hmm. you know, all the things. So I'd love to have you just share like what put life coaching on your radar. uh uh-huh.
2: Okay, I'll try to go I'll, I'll try to do a timeline that goes in order and give you the short version. So, my codependence started in my late teens, which I think it can for a lot of people. I my father was an alcoholic. This you know same story, he became emotionally distant from me once I started puberty, which was very confusing because we were close when I was little. And that lasted through my twenties. I also had an eating disorder and I was also a love addict. So I chased men and relationships, sometimes sex for that high to be validated, to feel any semblance of esteem really. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 30 or 31, well, even before that in my twenties, that's when I found the career of life coaching. And I thought it was, I was just intrigued by it, but I would be really good at it. I thought about being a therapist, but felt that I've always been the consummate cheerleader. I've always been naturally able to motivate people and inspire them and really draw out the best in them. So life coaching was like, ah, oh, the heavens opened up. I'm like, this is the career for me. But I told my husband at the time, he's now my ex-husband, that I, I felt like you needed to have some life experience. And I didn't feel like I had a whole lot of life experience yet. So the universe heard me and she said, okay. <laughs> You know, pulls up her sleeves. I'll give you some life experience. So my ex-husband and I were talking about conceiving our first child and he had an affair with our neighbor and got her pregnant on purpose. That was his way of telling me he wanted a divorce. Um, He had also been lying to her about still being married. He had been living a double life. So my life started to fall apart, but it actually got worse. I fell in love with someone right after that we started dating, he had terminal cancer. It was awful, but I took care of him for several months. And the long and short of that was that I found out that he had lied our entire relationship about having cancer. And he was in fact covering up his drug addiction to opioids. That same week, Angel, I found out that I was pregnant with his child. That was my absolute rock bottom. That was when I started going to codependence anonymous meetings. I finally started listening to my therapist. I started healing from my eating disorder and signed up for life coaching certification. I, I, I really put pedal to the metal and had the baby. He's 14 now and radically changed my life. I took radical responsibility and it, and it's not to put all the blame on myself. You know, the men that I was with did some pretty heinous things to me, but I had ignored my intuition over and over and over again. I was codependent. I was a mm. love addict. That's what mm. we do. We attract we attract dysfunctional chaotic relationships and I had to admit that and look into why. Why do I keep making these mistakes? Why do I keep accepting crumbs? Why do I keep running away from my life, you know, with restricting calories and trying to control other people and so I got help from all of those things and then it wasn't until years later that I got sober from alcohol because my drinking picked up when I Stopped being codependent and a love addict, as we do, trade in one addiction for the other. I did that. And that was, that's really the short version of how, how I kicked things off. I mean, obviously, there were a lot of twists and turns there, but. That's the gist of it.
1: Yeah. So I love a couple of parts of this story. First of all, you said, gee, I think I probably need some experience before I do this life coaching thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then life just gave you exactly what Here you, you asked for. Know, be careful what you ask for, right? Yeah. Be really specific about the experience <laughs> you're requesting. <laughs> I also heard in there that one of the things that you had to do was to start letting go of what doesn't serve. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times we talk about the transformational journey as, well, okay, I, I went in this direction and my life changed. I'd love to have you talk a little bit more deeply about the process of what it took for you to unpeel those parts of you. You know, you talked a little bit about how it skipped right over to alcohol mm-hmm. initially, but- I'd love to have you give our listeners a little bit more about either how you help people to learn to let go. I think it's the holding on that causes so much suffering.
2: You said it. In fact, I got the word surrender tattooed. I know you and I are on video, so you can kind of see it. The word surrender tattooed in my own handwriting about five years ago, because that's essentially what I had to learn how to do. You said it beautifully. I had a chokehold on... My circumstances on other people. And that's a great question. The first thing that I had to do was look at my behaviors and, and like I said, you know, take accountability for them, but also let go of the fact, just really accept that I could not control if my boyfriend was going to stay sober, if he was going to be a part of me and our son's life, if my ex husband was going to stop spreading awful lies about me and my mental health. Like I, I were sitting in my therapist's office and she said to me, cause I was, I was about to start, I was going to send out an email to my former family, my ex-husband's family, and like have a meeting with them to set the record straight. Cause he had been saying all these lies about me. And my therapist said, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be free? Mm. And I said, I want both. <laughs> She said, you can't have both. And that seemed totally reasonable to me, Angel. Like I I need to control how, what people think of me. Mm -hmm. I need to control my reputation. And so that's just an example of the letting go that I had to do. I could no longer try my best to control what other people thought of me, how people perceived me, uh, my circumstances, if people, you know, if the men in my life loved me Or not, if I was disappointed by people over and over again, if I was disappointing other people, Hmm. that was probably the most difficult part for me. And one of the reasons that I restricted calories and tried to control the shape and size of my body, as well as drank and sometimes did drugs to try to change the way that I felt. And the way that I felt was anxious, out of control, criticized. (laughs) <laughs> ashamed, mm. all of these, afraid, all of these things that are normal human feelings, but I, I felt consumed by them.
1: Mm, yeah, we could be twin sisters. <laughs> really do have parallel lives? We do. I have two husbands, <laughs> two husbands. And even though they had a little bit different, like order of how the fun things were happening, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so much similarity in the conversation here. And so what that says to me is, it's not just you and I, but there may be many people who are tuned in and listening. If you are hearing any of your own storyline in what Andrea is saying, or, you know, what I've been saying either on this episode or in in other episodes about some of the pieces of my own life journey, you know, first of all, you're not alone Second of all, I think it's really helpful to identify one of the key things for me was also letting go of control. And I didn't realize how controlling that control thing was. I've been peeling that away for years, for 20 years now myself. In fact, I had my brother for Thanksgiving and afterwards I said, oh shit, I spent Almost our entire childhood trying to control him. He was my younger brother mm-hmm. because he was a variable in the chaotic, you know, yeah. abusive, rage filled, alcohol driven nightmare that was my childhood. I could control that variable because he mm-hmm. was younger than me. So I just want everyone who's listening to really know that there is a way out and surrender and letting go of control is step one so we're going to take a short break andrea but when we come back we're going to talk more about your authorship and how you work with people right now though we are going to say wickedly smart women we could use some help from you if you are enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air Please consider making a donation at www.wikilismartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask that you share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too. Uh, I want to celebrate today. I just found out that we are, uh, the show is now in the top 1% of all shows all around the world. So there's 2.7 million podcasts now. And so we just found out we are now in the top 1%. Andrea has got a podcast. She is also in the top 1%. So we're 1% or sisters here. Congratulations for that. And uh, thanks to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating and reviewing. We are welcoming thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world in 92 countries. We want to shout out this week to our listeners in um, well, Andrea's in North Carolina, so we'll shout out to our listeners in North Carolina. Let's also give a shout out to our listeners in Aruba and Venezuela. And we will be right back
0: with Andrea Owen. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman, creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art. Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition. Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life Of shameless self expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back. I
1: want to let everyone know that you can find out more about Andrea and certainly find out also about her books by going to AndreaOwen.com forward slash free. And there she has something very special for you. So Andrea, I'd love to have you talk a little bit about uh, what you have for our listeners so that they know what they're um, going to be finding when they get there and how they can use it to be smarter, spunkier and more successful and to surrender their control.
2: Check out that alliteration. <laughs> Smarter, spunkier. And now I'm forgetting. Successful. More and- successful and more
1: surrendered.
2: <laughs> surrendered. Yes. So I know that your listeners like podcasts because they're listening to this one. And if you go to andreowen.com slash free, I've created a secret podcast series. It's three episodes. I believe they're only about 10 or so minutes long. And I've I've broken them up into three episodes because the first one is, it's motivation and inspiration. It's kind of like, me being a cheerleader on your shoulder. It's even set to motivating music. Like it's, it's dramatic, but the first one is if you're feeling like you're completely in a rut, like you are just down in the D's. The second one is if you're feeling inconsistent. And then the third one is if you're feeling great and you just want to keep going. So there's something for everyone there.
1: Beautiful. I love it. Well, thank you so much for that lovely gift. So before we went to the break, we were talking about surrender and your life story, where at a certain point you were feeling like shit, you made the decision to stop feeling like shit. And mm-hmm. so I'd love to hear how that turned into the book, how to stop feeling like shit. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I just want to make it clear, and I'm sure you you talk
2: about this too, Angel, but like, it's been a journey. And I mean, even just last year in 2020, I found myself kind of spinning back into just feeling like shit and just high anxiety. And so I hired a new therapist and we went through some trauma work, you know, around what happened with my ex-husband, because it was incredibly traumatizing and it still lives in my body as much as I don't want it to mm-hmm. it still, still does. And, and so it's, it's a long, it's been a long road to get here. And I know that I'm still, I'm going to have some in the future, but that book actually stemmed from a training and certification. I'm a huge fan of Dr. Brene Brown Mm -hmm. and she rolled out a training and certification and it's on shame work, which if you would have told me I was going to be leading and facilitating work around shame, I would have laughed hysterically, you know, 10, 12 years ago, but that book was born from that training because I often talk about 14 or so behaviors that we women tend to do to try to avoid shame. So -hmm. that's the people pleasing, the perfectionism, Mm -hmm. the overachieving, the blame, the control, and on and on and on. And so that's where that came from. And the reason that it has that title was because those things work until they don't, right? Like the control, like I always say control and overachieving helped me graduate with honors from college. Like, (laughs) like I'll be honest. (laughs) it's not sustainable. Right. And eventually it makes you feel like shit. And you're like, why, what is wrong with me? Why have I checked off all these boxes? And I still feel like shit. It's because we're, cause shame is still controlling us. Like it's still sort of in the driver's seat. So that book is all about noticing it so that you can choose better behaviors. Mm.
1: Yeah. So what I'm hearing there, and, and this is something that I've also had high achieving (laughs) four awards already for the podcast, (laughs) you know, it looks good. Right. There's this whole idea of looking good, but then the success feels hollow. Mm -hmm. It's like, who cares? Like, who cares? I always describe it as like
2: a thunk. Like once it happens, it's like, Oh,
1: it's done. We did that. Check it off. Move on to the next thing. Right. And uh, for me, I actually had to learn how to stop the momentum of just continuing to do the achievements and actually take a moment to celebrate the achievements. And I found out in my own journey, and this may be helpful for somebody listening. I found out in my own journey uh, that I didn't know how to celebrate. I really like authentically didn't know how to celebrate. Does it make you uncomfortable? Well, what happened was I was on this team building thing at a mastermind thing and my, my team won the first round and we were all jumping up and down and I literally passed out on the beach. I like what? literally left my body. <laughs> I literally <laughs> left my body. And then I had the insight like, shit, I am not allowed. Like that was the belief huh. I was holding. Like celebration is not allowed. Get back to work kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I've made a conscious practice. I did this with my first podcast, the Men on Purpose podcast which also helped me to unwind all of my focus on men who were abusive or addicted or I felt alienated from because I was the single unifying thread in that. So with that first podcast I started to consciously choose to celebrate every milestone like and authentically celebrate. So I would love to have you talk now a little bit about, you know, how you work with clients and if you want to mm-hmm. tell a client story about um somebody that you've worked with who has had some of these issues that, yeah. that you help people with that would be great
2: you know it's so interesting like they all come in many times like with different primary focuses that they bring but at the end of the day it's all the same that mm-hmm. that we work on and so for instance i have a i have a long time client and she really struggled with a lot of things and and super successful wickedly smart <laughs> so mm-hmm. successful highly connected and hers was that she was a, one of her main ones that she was afraid of outshining her sister. Mm -hmm. So my client was the oldest and her sister was the middle child. And her sister just wasn't as successful, just not as, as ambitious and was a, was an artist and just great at other things, Mm -hmm. but just, and her, and her parents also, they put a lot of emphasis on achievement and, uh, it was very important to them. It was a value in the family and my client, held herself back because she was so afraid of it It, it, to her. It was a zero sum game. If she had so much success, there would be none left for her sister. And she would also, it was her responsibility to not make her sister look bad. So that was one of, of the barriers that she had. And, you know, this same client also had a pretty fierce fear of success. You know, it was that quintessential upper limit problem mm-hmm. and she was undercharging for these you know contracts with the the city and it was a very large city by the way <laughs> she could have been adding a zero onto the to the cost um what she was charging and just undercharging and undervaluing herself but if you met her at a networking event or a dinner party you wouldn't think that about her and i find that So important that women can have that place, whether it's with a therapist or a coach or a best friend or whomever, where they can come and tell the truth of how they really feel about themselves. Because if they don't have that, you're gonna stay suck, stuck. Excuse me. (laughs) Maybe that was both (laughs) suck and stuck. Suck and suck. (laughs) Sucks. And and I think like I always say, like you can't you can't fix anything you can't talk about. Like, I don't know about you, Angel, but I grew up in a family like we did not talk about the hard stuff, like just pretend it's not there and it will go away. That was like our family mantra. I mean, obviously daughter of an alcoholic. And I was always the kid who was like, no, the emperor has no clothes on. Like, doesn't everybody see that he's naked? And that was like, no, 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 no. So even more so now as an adult where I feel safer talking about hard things, like I'm on a mission to help as many women as I can have the courage and vulnerability to talk about things that they want to fix. I kind of went off on a side tangent. Yeah, no,
1: I think that sounds like uh, probably a lot of the content that's in the new book makes some noise, I would imagine, right?
2: Yeah. And it's like
1: talking about stuff.
2: To pointing out, I mean, speaking of the elephant in the room, like I couldn't write another women's empowerment book without talking about the culture that raised us, Mm -hmm. you know, like you were talking about, about men and, you know, and I got to the point in my life where I was like, I'm so tired of, I found myself telling my best friend, I'm so tired of the men in my life, disappointing me, even Mm -hmm. though I have set the bar so fucking low and it's largely not their fault, you know, like Mm -hmm. patriarchy screws them over as well. And for women, I had to talk about the fact that we are raised to be accommodating. We are raised to put everyone else before us. We are raised to make everyone comfortable, even at the expense of our own comfort, our own dreams, our own ambitions, our own success. That's what I had to point out. Yeah. Because I got tired of saying girl power all day long and like shaking my fist in the air and like cheering everybody on without naming this thing.
1: Yeah. And if we don't name it, we cannot dismantle it. And Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you that that conditioning that we grew up with to be silent. And especially it's like extra. It's like 10x when you are in a dysfunctional family, Uh, particularly uh, my dad was an alcoholic too, a raging alcoholic Mm -hmm. and very abusive, physically abusive. And what was interesting in my family dynamic was he was physically abusive towards me, but wasn't so much towards my brother. So there was also that weird message of girls are second class citizens and Mm. worthless and, you know, worthy of being punished, but... You know, it was just a weird, weird dynamic. And and we're all unpacking that now collectively. It's not just us individually. We're doing it collectively. Yeah. So my dad was a
2: silent alcoholic, different kind of dysfunction, just completely shut off emotionally.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, mine, mine was shut off emotionally, except for rage, Yeah, <laughs> rage and, and fury. So yeah, the belt was, was mm-hmm. one of his favorite oh, tools man, in my house or his foot kicking me. Um, he liked to kick. He was a kicker. Wow. So anyway, what I want to do now is I just want to leave uh, people on an up note mm-hmm. that you can come up out of, you can rise up out of the sock stock. So if you have one last little piece of guidance for our listeners about like, what are some action steps they can take uh, beyond what we've already talked about to really start to anchor into a new way of being in the world and a new way of relating, whether it's to, to other people or to themselves, especially to themselves.
2: I always tell people when I get asked some version of this question, to me, it feels like, where do, why even start? Because people that get into personal development and maybe they've read many books and listened to the podcast, but they still are like, I don't know what to do. I ask people to start with their values, whether you've done it in the past or have never done it. There's two questions that I ask people and they are in a specific order. The first one is what's important to you. It's a big, broad question, but run with it however you want. Start making a list. Is your family important to you? Is your job important to you? Is the environment important to you? Whatever. The second question is, what's important about the way you live your life? Directly related to the first question, but you're just getting a little bit more specific. Is it important that you have meaningful connections with people? Is it important that you are a positive role model to your children or other people in your life? that will lead you towards your values. And, and I, I don't like to hand people a list of them because then they kind of like circle like, well, this one looks good. And I bet this would, you know, Angel would be impressed if I had a value around integrity. It's like, no, 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 no. I want you to come up with what's important to you because it gives you sort of a roadmap or a North star, if you will, that will lead you into the behaviors that you can be proud of.
1: Mm, Beautiful. Well, Andrea, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you today. I could spend hours hanging out with you. I'm sure we we have lots of stories that we could tell and we could probably be, you know, mutually healing each other in the process (laughs) as well. Uh, But we are at time. So listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that for you in the show notes. Definitely check out Andrea at andreaowen.com forward slash free. Uh, Certainly feel free to go ahead and purchase her books too. They sound like really awesome books. I'm probably going to put them on my acquire list too. (laughs) Definitely sending questions or guest suggestions to listeners at weeklysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. I do want to thank Jeline Schneider for making a donation. Thanks, Jeline. We really appreciate you. Um, Thank you for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman.
0: Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.